because I was on retreat this week, I did not prepare a talk. But what I want to talk about is what the retreat was about, which is uh, the Satipatthana, which is the which is actually the mindfulness practice that we do. And uh, it was uh, 10, 11 days, basically 10 days of working with this practice. And it's the retreat is being taught by this monk, Bhikkhu Analyo, who is this very wise scholar who has written a lot on the Satipatthana. The Satipatthana is the foundations of mindfulness or the establishments of mindfulness. And it's the basic basic instructions for mindfulness practice that were, you know, offered almost 2,600 years ago, and we're still doing them basically, for the most part, the same way today. It's um, inside Buddhism, and then it's very much in the the world of mindfulness, like mindfulness-based stress reduction and and those types of more secular applications. And so... um, Analio, he wrote his PhD dissertation on this, um, the, on the Satipatthana, and I have that book, which is like, you know, a half a page of footnotes, and it's like, getting through, I didn't read any of the footnotes, and it was still a slog. This is much more accessible, it's called Satipatthana Meditation, a Practice Guide, and he really breaks down this practice of mindfulness, and in the suttas, the suttas are the the discourses that the Buddhist teachings are uh, uh, collected in, the word in Pali, which is the language the Buddha's uh, teachings, the original language his teachings were written in, um, the word is sutta. And um, what Bhikkhu Analyo has done, and he's, as I mentioned, he's quite a scholar and he's quite a linguist. So he has gone back and compared all the different versions, the earliest versions of the texts that um, have this teaching. And there are some, some of them in Pali and some of them in Chinese. There are, are very, very old Chinese texts that have these teachings as well. And um, he, I think he used three different texts that are that are the oldest. And he's he's teaching. He works basically from the early texts. And I love this stuff because I'm I'm an archaeologist and a history geek and and a linguistic geek, and I love this stuff. So I love that he does it this way. And he took these three and he kind of. Um, looked at what was shared among all of them and what was shared among, you know, fewer of them. And and he didn't get rid of one and say one was better than the other, but he just kind of used that lens. And so I'd just like to go through um, what this practice is because it's called the direct path to realization. If you follow these steps, if you move through this practice and you really um, get into it, the the promises awakening liberation freedom from um this cycle in buddhism is cycle of rebirth of of constantly being you know having to go through this again because we keep holding on we don't we can't let go and he starts the practice with the first the first foundation of mindfulness is about the body breath and body and he doesn't talk so much about the breath he talks more about the body and this um, 
really grounding ourselves and we are ground ourselves in this awareness that we are just, you know, we're just flesh and blood and bones. And in the, in the, in the sutta, it talks about the 32 parts of the body. Some of you may be familiar with that. There's a meditation and really what it's about is breaking this attachment we have to the body. And it's, I think it's especially important in the culture we live in where we're so, um, we're so often categorized by what we look like. We are definitely, if, if we're people of color, black people are definitely categorized. Asian, American, Pacific Islanders are definitely categorized. That's front and center this last year with uh, all the stuff that's happened since the pandemic um, and the awful, awful things that have gone on around that. Um, uh there's, you know, we're, we don't look right. We're, we're too, you know, I'm, I just had a birthday this week, so I'm 66. So I'm way old. I'm ancient now. Um, you know, so I don't even register on a lot of, on a lot of people's, um, awareness. In fact, there was a show, Grace and Frankie with, um, I may have mentioned this before. I love this Grace and Frankie with, um, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. And they were in a store trying to buy something and they kept getting ignored. And so they just said, screw this. And they left. And Lily Tomlin said, hey, I, I got the cigarettes. And she said, how did you get cigarettes? Nobody served us. And she said, because of our new superpower, invisibility. I just took what I wanted and nobody even noticed. So, um, you know, there's all that stuff with the body. There's such an attachment to, and and every culture has its own design and this is, a, if you've not heard of the book, The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. She speaks to that explicitly, and it's a very powerful book. But so to this foundation and mindfulness about the body is to recognize all that, that labeling and categorization is nonsense. We are all flesh and skin and bones, every single one of us, every single one of us. And so it's a real deep resting in that idea. And then to build on that idea is that they teach the, it talks about the elements that we're all the earth element, you know, the solidity of our bones and, and we are all, uh, uh, um, water. We've got all the liquids in our body and the fire, there's the heat and then the, um, the air, the breath, the breath. So we're all elements. Again, every single one of us, the categorizations about what we look like and blah, blah, blah are irrelevant. And so this is really trying to break that attachment, which is such a huge attachment. You know, the Buddha, um, before he became enlightened, when he was practicing with, um, the aesthetics when he was in his travels around trying to find, um, um, you know, what the source of suffering was and why we suffered so much. He was an aesthetic for a couple of years. And basically it's, it's thinking that the body is the, is the root of all our suffering. So if we could just kind of disconnect ourselves from the body. So basically it, they, they, they tormented the body. He was slowly killing himself by, you know, not taking care of himself. And and after a while, he said, well, this isn't working. And so he gave that up. And that's when he sat and he and he really got deep into his meditation and, and saw the saw the 
true uh, nature of, of things. And so that um, it's not, it's recognizing that we are not our bodies. I like that. I kept walking around thinking this week that it's just a meat suit. I've heard that term before and it's like, it's just a meat suit, you know, it's a really hard attachment to break, especially in the world we live in, but it's really a excellent, excellent, excellent meditation. And then the third part of this, this, this foundation is the, is the recollection of death. We are all mortal. Even though the mind tells us, even, even though I who work with death a lot, I teach it, I do practices with it, I have a little guy here to remind me, this Mr. Skeleton person, or who knows if it's a Mr. Skeleton person, um, to re we're all going to go there. Still in my head I go, yeah, but I still can stand on my head, so probably not yet. It's this, this, this really strong denial that we have, and to recognize that with each inhale, the practice we did was to inhale and go, this might be the last inhalation I ever take. And then with the exhale to go, no, not yet. And then the inhale and then the exhale. And so to have that recollection of mortality, we all are mortal. Again, it's that, that connection we all have. We're all connected that way. So to really come into a, a much better relationship with with this body and to disconnect from this attachment to this body because we're all going to just disintegrate we're all gonna we're all mortal we're gonna die and our bodies whatever we choose to do with them after we die they're you know they're they're dispersed so that's the first foundation in this practice the first satipatthana and the second one um i t i love talking about because i think it's so important and that's the feeling tone recognizing whether things are pleasant or unpleasant or neutral it's so important to recognize that because from that is where we uh react into taking action and and for those of you who've sat with me you've heard me talk about this a lot it's where, you know, if it's unpleasant, there's a tendency to push away or react with anger, perhaps. If it's pleasant, there's a tendency. We have these latent tendencies to, you know, grasp onto and not want it to end, make it keep going. I want the pleasant all the time. I don't want the unpleasant. And <clears throat> oftentimes, if it's neutral, the mind just, that's when it's easy for the mind to get distracted. So the practice around this, this, this reflection on feeling tone is to really begin to notice whether things there's anything pleasant or unpleasant and not just sensations in the body because that's that can be easy but the more subtle thoughts is that a pleasant thought is that an unpleasant thought you know because oftentimes we have an unpleasant thought that leads us down that path that eh, I have to tell them next time I see them or how dare they or whatever it is. Um, so to really be, be cautious about that, there is always that moment of, of pause in between the experience of unpleasant. It doesn't mean we get rid of our unpleasant or get rid of our pleasant experiences. It means we're aware because this is the foundation of mindfulness, awareness. This is how we really cultivate that awareness. 
And the more we cultivate awareness, the more wisdom and clarity we have. And the more we can walk through the world without bumping into walls or hurting ourselves or others. It's really important. So there's that, that really intense or that important recognition of whether things are pleasant or unpleasant. And again, as I said, even with the subtle thoughts, which may be much more difficult to discern, which is why in the meditation instructions, it's, it's offered to recognize, you know, is, what was that thought that took you away? And was there something else underneath it? Because oftentimes it's, it's driven by, oh, I'm, I'm lost in tomorrow because that thought I had was unpleasant. So it launched me into this habitual pattern I have of making sure they, they hear my side or whatever it is. We all have our, we all have our own conditioning. We all have our own reactions to things because of our, of our world, our biographies. And so one size doesn't fit all, but, it's, but, the, but the training works. So that's the, second, that's the second one of the Satipatthanas, the foundations. The third is mind is knowing what's present. And in the instructions in the sutta, it says know when there's anger, know when anger is absent, know when there's, there's lust or craving and when there's none. And know when, there's, when you're like, ooh, I have no clue. Although that's harder because you're like, ooh, I don't know. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's harder to, that's like beating your way out of a paper bag. I think so there's the mind so recognizing the mind but that's really important too this is again there's no judgment around any of these things it's just bringing ourselves into recognition because when we're not aware we're acting and out I am so grateful when I recognize this that my bad habits because then once I recognize my bad habits I um I um I have an opportunity to take different action. If I'm not aware of my bad habits or the things I the habits I've gotten into, then I'm I'm oftentimes just wrapped up in them and I don't see. We all have our own perspective. We all see things differently again based on how we um how we were raised, our experiences, and um, it can be challenging to really go against that. But we have to be willing to say, maybe I don't know. And this is driven by this is driven by anger or aversion, and this is driven by lust or craving. I want, I want, I don't, I don't, and and again. Maybe getting into underneath that. What's underneath there? Pleasant, unpleasant. It doesn't mean we don't have desire. That's that's often, um, you know, we hear that a lot, and I've I've talked about this before. It's desire is fine. We wanted to, we have a desire to become awakened. We have a desire to get rid of these 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 things that don't serve us. We wanna we have a desire to walk through the world with wisdom and clarity and calm. 
that those are those are healthy it's when there's an attachment it's when we have to when we have to have something when there's an expectation when if when we when we have a particular outcome in mind and if the we don't get that outcome then that increases our discomfort or increases our anger or our or our um, suffering or dissatisfaction and to recognize that um, yeah chasing this stuff is is ultimately unsatisfactory that's dukkha that's that's one of the the um you know the the three characteristics things are impermanent everything's impermanent things by themselves are unsatisfactory we've all gotten what we've wanted and we've not all of us have lived happily ever after you know because it's 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 um if we base our happiness on things that are impermanent, our happiness is going to go away once the thing or whatever it is goes away. So this is a this is a, a practice of understanding that we we can be at ease without being attached. We can be at ease and joyful um, and free just by letting go. So. The third one is the mind, just really paying attention to what's present in the mind. And then the fourth, um, the fourth foundation, the fourth Satipatthana, oftentimes traditionally they, they list, uh, it's, it's um, uh, mindfulness of the dhammas, the dharmas, and it lists the hindrances and the seven factors of awakening and the aggregates and the sense stores and the um, um, the four noble truths but in these first these these early texts there's um, just two that are pretty much in all of them and those are I think the the awakening factors are the awakening factors are in all of them and then the hindrances are not in all of them but they're kind of the counterpart to the awakening factors and I talked about the hindrances last week so I'll just touch on them briefly the hindrances are those things that get in the way of our awareness that keep us from being awake and again um, there's it's it's all because of our conditioning these things are there because of our conditioning it's not because we're bad people it's not because we have, you know, a, something that we have to fix about ourselves. It's this conditioning that we have. So the invitation is just to see what's there. Because when we see what's there, as uncomfortable as they are, because we talked about this week, some people are really uncomfortable with these hindrances that, that seem to be part and parcel of who they are, that it's not personal. None of this stuff is personal. That's another reason why the practice in the body is so important to recognize. It's like it can't be personal. It's just the comings and goings and the workings of the mind. It feels personal because we make it personal. We put it on. We say I, me. We create the self around it. But if we can let go of that self, there's some freedom there. So the hindrances are... Um, again, similar to uh, the, what we want to recognize in the mind, it's like this craving, this lust, this 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 wanting, this sensual pleasure, um, or um, anger, aversion, 
So those are like two sides, again, these, these pairs of, of, of wanting, not wanting. Anger, burning, eh. Um, the next set is uh, restlessness and worry, you know? And then the other, the other side of that is dullness and, and, and torpor, uh, which is just like dullness and torpor. In, in, in this, one of the suttas, it describes, um, it describes each of these as if you were um, looking at a bowl of water, a clear, uh, uh, and the clear water is when you have clarity and you see things. But if you are uh, angry, it's like boiling water. You can't see anything. And if you're lost in craving a lust, it's water that has dye in it. It's like seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. That's, that's, that's um, um, impairing our vision. And um, restlessness is uh, this water that's got, is windy, wind blowing on it. So it's, you, again, you can't see. Apparently they would use clear water, uh, cups of water as a mirror in ancient India. So if you have uh, some water that's that's calm, you can see clearly as well as you can in a mirror. But if it's boiling or has dye in it, you're 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 um, uh, hindering the clear view. And um, sloth and torpor, it's like water that's got algae growing in it, which is like gross. And then um, doubt is the last one, which is muddy water. You just can't see anything at all because you're indecisive. You're, you're lost in, in doubt about yourself, about the practice, about so many things. So recognizing the hindrances are present is so helpful without judgment, without criticism, just saying, okay, this is present and again, recognizing their conditionality and maybe finding your way to see what's underneath. That is that is key to a lot of these things. Not just saying, okay, I'm worried, but what's underneath the worry and the restlessness and the doubt? You know, this indecisiveness. I was so indecisive for so many years about so many things. And I if I bring it back, it's like, what's underneath? It's fear. There's fear underneath there. Okay. And what's the fear of? Fear I'll make a mistake. And what's the what's the fear of making a mistake? That that I'll be wrong. And what's the fear that I won't get that it won't be okay? That it'll hurt. Or and sometimes you get to a point it's like, I don't even know. Oftentimes we don't know. We get to a point it's like, why am I so, and sometimes we don't, I mean, sometimes we can't get to that conditionality today, but we might at some point. So the invitation is not to worry about figuring it out. This is not about figuring it out, but just maybe tracking back and seeing, I seem to be stuck in this restlessness, or I seem to be stuck in this dullness. I know when there was a time in my life when I was sleeping a lot, I would describe that as a time of sloth and torpor. It's because I didn't want to deal with what was going on. I napped constantly because my life was painful and it was a way of dealing, dealing with it without doing drugs and alcohol and even more harmful things. So it's like, I'm just going to go to sleep, you know, and in the past, but to recognize our patterns and we all have different habits. Again, we're all individuals. We all have different experiences in our lives. And so we're going to be, um, we're going to 
show up in different ways depending on what's happening in our lives. So recognizing these hindrances. And the other the other piece of this is recognizing that the hindrances are there and then maybe letting them subside, recognizing them or recognizing when they're not there. That's really important too. Sometimes we just think they're always there and we don't pay attention to notice, oh, there's no worry. There's no, there's just like, I'm just sitting here chilling. What's this feel like? Being mindful. Then you start moving into the seven factors of awakening, which are really this path to um, enlightenment. And the seven factors of awakening, which the first time I was in a retreat where they talked about it, I, I experienced each of these individual things. And I thought, oh, my God, does that mean I'm awakening? And I'm just like, but I'm not. I know I can't. I'm not ready. No, it just means that these are the things that are present on the way to awakening. And you have them to the teacher. Biko Analio is so beautiful. He says sometimes they're just a little bud. But if you tend to them, they'll flower. So sometimes we just have little buds of these 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 things, little flavors, little tastes. And the first one is mindfulness. You have to have mindfulness. It's the foundation of so much. Without being present, who the hell knows what's going on? You don't know where you are. So there's the mindfulness which 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 holds everything which you rest on. And then the the next seven. Uh, the next six, excuse me, they're, they're kind of also like in threes. There's calming and there's, I don't want to say agitating, but there's, there's getting some energy up. So the first three are um, investigation, seeing what's going on, you know, paying attention. What is this? Um, bringing energy, virya, which means like, uh, like, oh yeah, I, I want to see, continue, I want to continue down this path. So there's a little bit of, of uplifting there and then there's a joy so these three are these these um, there's mindfulness and then you see what's happening oh there's some there's some dullness coming in to my I because we're paying attention we can start seeing some maybe dullness come in some low energy some some beginning of distraction that's when you begin to cultivate investigation oh what's this what's going on here and maybe I can I can um, really bring some really energy around it. What what is this? Um, and and take a real interest in what's going on. And then maybe ta have a little taste of joy around that because joy is an energizing factor as well. So these are energizing qualities. And then if you find the other the other three are um, tranquility. Um, concentration or collectedness of mind where the mind is calm and collected and then it's it's upeka is the word in Pali which is normally translated as equanimity but in this case it's he uses equipoise which is more of a balance which balances you out so if you're starting to get a little ooh, 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 maybe some restlessness coming in maybe it's like you can actually say can I mindfully bring in some tranquility can I then you know intentionally collect the mind and then and then have some balance so these qualities are not just things that you sit around and meditate and wait to happen 
there's a flavor of you participating and cultivating. So if you are, and this the fourth Satipata, the fourth Satipatthana, the fourth foundation, as you're aware and and you're secluded from the hindrances, the hindrances are over there, and there's this calmness of mind, you pay attention to what's arising and passing. You're paying attention to what's coming and going. And, and as things come and you find yourself moving in a particular direction, you can bring in a quality of calmness or a quality of energizing to stay focused, to stay present. And then you might get lost and then you come back and say, what's right here? What's right now? What's called for? What's called for? And then eventually this, this, this balance leads to this, this ability to just let go. Just let go. I'm not there yet, so I can't speak from experience. I have moments of it. I've had moments of it where it's, you're just like, poof. There's nothing. It's just letting go. And then stuff comes back, of course, and I go, Meh, I need that. I need that. Blah, blah, blah. So, um, but that's, and then the promise is Nirvana. The promise is Nirvana where we're not holding on to anything. We're just totally letting go. And so that is, that's what I did with my summer vacation. No, that's what I've been doing the last week. And so each day, there was one day on the, one day on um, flesh, skin, bones, one day on um, uh, the elements, one day on death, one day on feeling tone, one day on mind one day on hindrances, and three days on the awakening factors. So, and it's just like, it's just like practice, practice, practice. So those, my friends, are my thoughts on this, uh, this way to really utilize the teaching of the Satipatthana, the establishment of mindfulness, in a very practical, user-friendly way. Um, if you've read his other stuff, his like his PhD dissertation, it's like uh, this is like a bazillion times more accessible than that, and and I really I really recommend it. So, thank you for your kind attention. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.